Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sofin. Here at the Smart Firefighting Podcast, we bring practical innovation to life for first responders. We break down the research roadmap for smart firefighting, published in 2015 by the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST. We bring in entrepreneurs, fire chiefs, thought leaders, and really smart people to bring you value around innovation in smart firefighting. Make sure to follow us on social media and let us know what you think. Smart Firefighting World, welcome back. Today, you're going to hear from Jay Johnson, who's the Vice President and General Manager at Rev Technical Center. Jay's been in the fire industry for over 30 years and knows a thing or two about the fire truck and apparatus. Oftentimes on this podcast, we talk about high-tech, high-innovation technology, but Jay's going to give some insights to the innovation through simplicity, whether it's through the design of a chair, design of a step, some type of bracket. The goal is to ideally let technology innovation, let first responders do their job better, faster, safer for the first responder and the community that we serve. Towards the end, Jay and I are going to talk about some different life science skills and, and ideas around the obstacles away and how we can't let the COVID crisis go to waste and use it as a force multiplier and a leap forward with an innovation in the first responder industry. Hope you enjoy listening and take care. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Very fortunate today to be joined here today with Jay Johnson. Jay, welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. How are you doing today? Great, Kevin, and thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Right on. So where in the world are you located today? Well, I'm uh, fortunately I'm located in Florida, so we're enjoying a beautiful spring day. Although I guess I shouldn't say that. We cheat regularly. So there aren't too many days that aren't beautiful in Florida. So uh, thanks for asking. Except for when it's too hot, like in the summertime. Well, that's right. So unlike perhaps in Chicagoland, it seems like our winter is our summer. So you're right. People don't seem to go outdoors as much during July in Florida, but I'm sure you have that problem in January in Chicago. Very much so. The extremes are <laughs> quite extreme. Indeed. So for those of us that don't know much about you and, and some of your, your upbringing to, within your work in the fire service, I'd love a quick little bio about who is Jay Johnson and a quick little snippet of some of your, um, your past work within the, the fire industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very fortunate to get into the industry in 1989. And I'm going to pause and say, you're not going to hear my life story because that would be incredibly boring. But I was really blessed right out of college or university to join Emergency One or E1 in Ocala, Florida in 1989. And, and basically, Kevin, throughout my career with uh, the vehicle side, have spent fundamentally all my time with what I call the the customer and dealer part of the business. Companies like to put other titles and labels on things, you know, sales, marketing, product management, customer service, all those wonderful and important areas or disciplines. But I just tell people I'm all about customers and dealer partners. That's what it boils down to. Had the good fortune to do that not only in uh, the U.S. and Canada or North America, but around the world. So I, I tell folks I've been blessed and that the company gave me my third education in another degree by le- allowing me the opportunity to work in our international business as well. So uh, very blessed in that regard. Most of my career, roughly 20 years, has been in what you know you would call the apparatus side or the vehicle side of the fire service. 
I have done a couple other tours of duty with a couple other companies, and that includes nozzles and monitors and reels and lights and electrical systems being uh, sold to the end users or to manufacturers of apparatus. And I even did a stint with a company that was, you could basically call it a startup within a company. It was really a cool opportunity to work in, in what I'll say is automation, specifically uh, fire station alerting. So when you call 911, there's really important magic that has to, to happen to get an alert to the fire station to be able to, to send the, the firefighters on their way. And so I worked with a company that did the hardware and software to do fire station alerting. So that was a great experience as well. At the end of the day, uh, whether it's got tires on it or wires on it, I've done it in the fire service and been a great blessing. And currently my role is for multiple brands, not just E1, but KME, Ferrera, and Spartan, as well as Smeal and Ladder Tower. So have an opportunity to work with a lot of different companies and a lot of different brands in our efforts to go to market with, with vehicles. I think the only other thing I would add is it's, I don't have a job. You know, I'm blessed in the sense that I don't call it work. Uh, it's a passion. So I really love it. Work's a four-letter word, and I, it's a one that doesn't scare me off. But uh, love is a better four-letter word. And I, I really love the opportunity to, to serve not only in the company I work for and the people I work with, but certainly with our customers and our dealers. Jay, well said. And when you when you love what you do, it sure doesn't feel like work. And I'm I'm very very blessed that that circumstance as well. And I like what you said, tires and wires. It seems like those are the things that maybe a lot of things people don't think about. But I know from a fire truck standpoint, I I live on the busy street in Chicago, and I I see fire trucks driving driving down all the time. And I've always been passionate about fire service my entire life and even more so as I've worked for WS Darling company, always trying to see it's like, ooh, which which pump does that truck have or you know, what style of pump do they have? But I think what I'd love to know from you, your perspective of just like the fire truck in general, I think most people just think there's a, a big red truck with a with a pump and people on it going by. But there's so much more. And I know that the fire truck and the apparatus itself has changed a lot. Maybe there are some commonalities where you have people, you have a tank and you have a pump and you go from one spot to another and you put out a fire. But the truck has changed so much. And I would love to know from your perspective, maybe a touch historical, but even even in, in some aspects of modern of like, what have been some of the biggest technological advancements with on the fire apparatus and maybe some innovations particularly that you're fond of or keen on in terms of the, the practicality of the innovation on the fire truck? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. And certainly, uh, as you've very well touched on, there's been, a, I wouldn't say a revolution in fire apparatus, but an evolution for sure. And I, quite frankly, Kevin, that's probably actually better suited for the fire service in that there are evolutions of technology throughout the years that have ultimately come about, I believe, to improve the health and safety of the firefighters so that they in turn can uh, do the noble work they do, which is quite frankly, saving lives every day for the citizens and the communities they serve. So I would contend that a lot of the work that's been done, particularly in recent years, has been very centric around helping you know, enable the health and safety of, of firefighters themselves. Because let's face it, 
No, it's a truck, and that's a very important weapon in the arsenal or tool in the toolbox, whatever metaphor you like. But if it doesn't achieve the getting the firefighters safely to the scene so that they can in turn perform the critical life-saving or mission-critical work that they do, it, nothing else really matters. And so maybe somewhat of an example and things that I think are contemporary, very much so, particularly coming out of uh, the pandemic uh, of last year and still dealing a little bit with that is things that are around clean cabs. And, you know, um, people talk about clean cabs a lot, but it's been a something that we've dealt with, not just because of COVID-19 and certainly not just because of carcinogenic materials or exposures, but even before that, uh, going back years, you know, as the fire services responded more and more to EMS situations and dealing with the issues with bloodborne pathogens and, and other sorts of things that were not necessarily pleasant, been a lot of great work done to really improve the cab environment. And I can speak specifically to that if you like in a moment, yeah. as well as, you know, in general to the entire apparatus. And the other thing, Kevin, and we can, again, come back to it, I'm kind of laying out maybe two or three legs here that we can explore, would be on the ergonomics of the apparatus, right? I mean, again, if you think about being health and safety centric, making sure that firefighters are able to perform their duty in a reliable, consistent way every single day, if not every single hour, and really make the ergonomics of what they do is uh, practical and as focused on them as possible. And there's been a lot of good work over the last several years in that regard as well. And you talk about the ergonomics there. I like, I love that word. And I think it's an important word to always think about within the fire service, as well as practicality, where if the technology isn't actually serving a purpose or bringing value or helping the first responder do their job better, faster, safer, then it's pretty much a waste of time and waste of money. So within your experience, what are some of these fire truck evolutions? I mean, you know, we talked about clean cab and, and how can we prevent exposure to carcinogens, bloodborne pathogens, COVID-19. What are some examples of innovation that you've seen within that space that, that you can share with us? Absolutely. So we'll start with the front of the apparatus, the cab, right? That's certainly a where the firefighters spend a lot of their time, as you've already touched on, getting to the scene. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time once they do their work there, but it's really a key delivery mechanism to get them safely there. And so from, a, I'm going to say health perspective, and then we'll touch on safety. From a health perspective, really good work that has been done on some of it blocking and tackling with having flat floors so that you don't have like tripping hazards uh, getting in and out of the cab, really well-designed steps so that getting in and out of a cab, you're not falling down or tripping, particularly, you know, if you think about Chicago and many other places during the winter when there's lots of hazards just with snow and ice and, and things of that nature, right? So some things are rather simple and straightforward, but not always thought about, including the dash and making sure that you really work hard to get clear line of sight. You know, we take for granted in our, our automobiles or whether that's an SUV, a car or a pickup truck, how well that's done so that you have really good visibility out of your windshield and out of the, uh, your mirrors and, 
and all around your vehicle, right? So a lot of good work has been done just in the design of line of sight with the front of the cab so that you can clearly see what's in front of you and around you. And uh, I'll pause or make a little sidebar note. Using camera systems has become a lot more common in terms of an application of technology to improve the safety, uh, you know, around the vehicle, uh, so that you because they're they're large, right? So you want to be able to, as you're on scene, be able to safely see from the cab position if you're in the cab. The next thing that I would touch on really relates again to health and some of what we touched on with COVID and and many other issues, and that's how do you make the cab clean, right? How do you really improve the hygienic environment or climate, so to speak, in the cabin. So we've done several things in that regard. Some are as basic or as simple as the deployment of HEPA filters within cabs, right? So I'm sure many of us in our homes or offices or other work environments probably have some sort of air filtration system that we find beneficial, but uh, that's not always been the case inside a fire apparatus cab. And now that is a very common feature or something that can be added. But I, I think the next level of that is certainly what we've recently done with our active air purification system. So this is a, a lot greater advancement beyond just HEPA filter. Not that HEPA filter systems are, are not good, but there's, there's more. And so these are systems that we've introduced in collaboration with other technology providers that essentially move air in the cab across a UV light, as well as introduce a very low dose of hydrogen peroxide, if you will. So it's a really effective means of dealing with things that humans are not fans of within the cab environment. And so the, you know, the combination of HEPA filtration systems and some of these other air purification systems that we're putting into cabs go a long ways, as particularly coming through the pandemic situation and moving forward. There'll be even more, I believe, as we continue. Then I guess before I miss it, even something as simple as the seats, you know, you think, you talk again about what's changed over the years. A lot of the, the seat providers and apparatus have done really great work coming up with solutions that I would say are somewhat scalable depending on, you know, the customer and what they want to do. And that could be as simple as the fabric material being, you know, like a vinyl that's cleanable or an antimicrobial type fabric that really improves the cleanliness within the cab and even removable seat covers as an example that can be you know cleaned or washed more readily so a lot of work has been done in the cab to make it healthier if you will in the apparatus environment for the fire service i think beyond that you know kevin i would say you talked a little bit about what's changed on the safety front right certainly over the years Many of the apparatus builders, such as ourselves, have worked really hard to have, you know, really robust roll cage construction with the cab design so that you have just a really stout structure to keep the firefighters safe. In the, you know, in the event there might be an unfortunate incident, you know, we I'm sure we see many stories 
that we don't like to see where, you know, someone may or may not uh, necessarily hear or see the, you know, the siren or hear the red lights, if you will, and they run a light and unfortunately may hit a fire truck en route. So uh, those are not predictable events. Those are not things that hopefully happen often, but when they do happen, having a really robust cab structure and what we call a roll cage design is, is really important for the safety of the occupants. But it's really grown beyond that now over the years to having things, again, that we take for granted in our personal lives as consumers with cars and SUVs and pickups. Now you have complete occupant restraint systems with airbags and that kind of technology that when I got in the industry a few decades ago now, uh, that certainly was not available. And today it is uh, with a lot of cab products. So in summary, in the cab, there are a lot of basic and more advanced technologies that are doing a lot of great work to make the health and safety of the firefighters far different than it perhaps was years ago. Well, I love it because some of the best innovations are so well designed that you don't even know that it's an innovation. It's a simplistic design of a step or a seatbelt that maybe was caused by an accident or a move towards safety, but these small little tweaks are also very important innovations that maybe not everyone thinks about, but there's, there's a lot of innovators that listen to this and want to continue to inspire people to, yes, explore creating new widgets. And sometimes we do need disruptive technology, but th- sometimes there is value in incremental changes and incremental benefits. And especially within the fire service where there are different levels of tolerance of willingness to, to change, but approaching incremental innovation is a great thing too. And it seems like there's been a lot of that. And I like to, especially from the COVID or just the clean cap space, I know that COVID has brought up that the conversation where what's the amount of exposure you want to COVID? Ideally zero. And that's the exactly. same with car- carcinogens. I mean, the ideal exposure for carcinogens should also be 0%, but it's hard to do that. And it's, it's a multi-pronged attack of how we do that. And so you did just bring up some good examples within the cab, like the washable seats and in antimicrobial context. But I would love to know on the other parts of the truck, and, and it could be generally or specifically within the, sort of the, the clean firefighter, the safe firefighter, what else is going on within the apparatus that you could talk about in terms of the, the clean and, and safe firefighter from the truck? Yeah, so you know, if you move beyond the cab, now you get into the things that are the heart and soul of you know making it a fire truck as well, whether that's in the pump module area, if it's an engine or a pumper, and of course in the the body, if you will, as well that carries all the essential equipment and a, typically a water tank or a foam tank or both. So, but in one of the things that we have done is again, it's sort of, you could say, I guess, incremental or tactical, but it's not necessarily common. And we've made it convenient for the fire service, wherein we have something as simple as a garden hose connection at the pump panel, right? And it has appropriate pressure and it has temperature control, again, because it's not always nice and warm for a firefighter when they're doing their duty in the upper Midwest or Canada for that matter, right? So we are able to produce not only cold water, but warm to 
near hot water, right? Nothing that's going to hurt anybody. But the idea is that you can hook up a simple garden hose and do mass decontamination of equipment or gear right right from the pump panel of the truck. It sounds kind of simple, right? But sometimes it's the simple things that get overlooked, but are very critical for everyday duty that the fire service does. So that's a simple thing that we've done, but you will find that it's unique and that we're able to take something right there at the pump panel with water availability and pressure availability, if you will, and be able to make something very convenient versus having to go somewhere else and necessarily fill up a bucket, you know, and, and try to move water around to clean gear or, or other material. I think that's certainly a simple but important function. I like that. I mean, it's make, making something with of what you have. I mean, it's bringing utility to something that that before was not necessarily was like a waste, but it is now bringing value to this the side of the cab with just a little bit of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's kind of on, I would say on the health side, but on the safety side. So again, I think a big area of uh, focus has been on the ergonomics, right? And so examples of that, you know, that have really grown and evolved and I think been very beneficial to the fire service Things like hydraulic ladder racks, right, and the ability to bring a ladder down to a level that's easier for a firefighter to handle what is relatively awkward, right, a very long piece of equipment sometimes can be, have some weight to it, right, and so, you know, that that's never an easy task. Again, if you think about, particularly in a situation where there's a lot going on in terms of There's a lot of distractions that the fire service may be dealing with and a lot of climate or environmental issues, whether it's rain, snow, or heat, that it just doesn't make for a really nice, cozy environment. So if we can ease the load, pardon the pun, of getting some heavy equipment down from the side of an apparatus to a position that's more ergonomically practical, for a firefighter, I think it's a huge win and something that, again, when I got in the industry, those weren't around. Uh, you, you know, it was a traditional bracket and you undid it and you lifted the ladder and it worked. But certainly today, there are a lot more, let's say, elegant solutions that do a, a far superior job. Another area that's loading or unloading of hose, right? Uh, certainly an opportunity there to improve ergonomics and with one of our companies, we have an ergonomic hose loader that you may or may not have seen, but uh, it's a really nice solution that allows firefighters to manage the awkwardness of, again, getting hose off a truck or onto a truck in a way that's a lot friendlier to their, you know, I don't want to say routine, but their job, right, and the work that they've got to do. And let's face it, they're doing all the things that I just described, whether it's getting a ladder or getting hose, just to execute their mission, right? They haven't even really gotten to the place where they're going to help you or I or somebody we care about dearly. That's a whole other situation or scenario, but we're trying to make it more efficient, more effective, and I guess my final E more, more ergonomic so that they can do those things and do them very well. And there are others that are probably more 
practical, whether that's, you know, steps and handrails and many other things. But at the end of the day, the focus still remains on the firefighter and uh, helping them stay healthy and stay safe when they're doing their job. And one thing that you've talked a lot about is, is the firefighter. And what I like about that, and I'd like, and I heard a quote recently uh, from a human science specialist, his name's Christian Masberg, wrote this book called Sensemaking. But he has this famous quote, he, when, he's, when, you, when you're talking about the customer or the end user, or whatever it may be, is, is really meet them in the savanna, not the zoo. And what he means by that is like, don't, don't just do these, these focus groups and these one-way mirrors and, and these, these surveys. Like, that's not really them. What's important is to actually go out and talk to the end user, see them, watch them with no predisposed opinion on what's good or bad or right or wrong. And I think it's a really applicable means for innovators in the space to not assume what the the solution is, or don't don't try and take a solution and jam it down in someone's throat because there's there are systems in place and we need to adhere to that. And we want both incremental and disruptive change in, in certain ways. But when I when I say that the whole meet them in the savannah, not the zoo quote, and as it pertains to innovating on the the cab or the truck or the fire service in general. What are your thoughts on that, and how would you how would you communicate to someone else that's trying to to innovate in this space, and and what what sort of suggestions would you have for them? Yeah, well, first of all, I totally agree with your quote. I think it's spot on, and I would, you know, I've been accused of being a professional geek or nerd, so I, I kind of subscribe to a lot of things you just described, but it's for the right reasons, right? I mean, I could use all the multiple syllable words that I'm probably shouldn't because I'm, I'll butcher them, but you know, I'm a big proponent or fan of anthropology, ethnography, sociology and psychology and all those things, right? Not because they're just sciences, but they involve the human. They're human centric approaches, right? And the best way I think to learn you know, what are the gaps? What are the things where there is not a good answer, right? Is to observe, to watch, to listen, right? You know, I, I did confess I've had a bit of a sales in my background. So salespeople tend to use their mouth more than their ears sometimes. And I think it's it's something you have to really learn to, you know, keep your mouth shut and use the other two ports we have to really listen and, and gather information. And, and quite frankly, the, to turn that around a bit, right, I think it's asking questions. That's where the mouth is the most useful. That you're going to learn, I believe at least, and, and help customers when you, you ask really good questions. And then from their answers, it may lead to more, even more questions. But that's ultimately I believe how some of the best innovations come about and look, none of us are in that includes, you know, you and I, right. As consumers are always able to well articulate what it is we need. Right. But we can certainly, when we see the it, right. That, that thing, whether that's a good or a service and we go, man, they nailed it. It's probably not because we told them it's probably because they were paying attention through observation out on the savanna, if you will. And honestly, I think more and more through experimentation, right? 
let's try this and see if that, you know, that works and be willing. This is kind of around the concepts of design thinking and agile, right? Does, does this work? Try it, learn from it, refine it, try it again, right? And you, and that that requires continuous engagement with humanity, with the customer. I, I hesitate to say customer because that always sounds so commercial, but that engagement with the human element, right, and, and the iterating is how I think you really get to to not only great innovation, but you do it you do it quicker in a way that you know brings that to the the human or the customer a lot faster. Well, you and I are a lot more alike than I even expected. I, I'm a human geography sort of make a major in college and, and very much appreciate the ethno methodology and discourse analysis and a lot of the human centric focus and design and and I think that's something I've I've enjoyed trying to implement on other innovators and within my company on, on how to approach understanding the end user. And, and oftentimes I think what I've seen some entrepreneurs do is they, they sit in front of a whiteboard and they come up with a hundred great ideas. And, and then you ask, have you even talked to a fire service yet? Have you done any sort of pilot program? And it's like, well, no, but we, we saw this and we think this would be great. And to me, that's the biggest red flag where it's like, we, you need to go out in the field, watch, study, observe, ask questions. And oftentimes, as you know, the fire service, they're, they're going to shoot you straight. And I appreciate that where sometimes it may sound great, but this, the budgetary standpoint isn't there. The practicality isn't there. And with all this new technology, the goal is to have the technology make your job better, faster, safer, not to make your job harder. And, and so I think I, that's an important lesson that I hope everyone, everyone takes. And I, and I, I know that through your work that you've, you've done that and, and agree with that. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. So within where we stand now, it's 2021, middle of 2021. We had a crazy last 12 months and a lot of things have changed, some for the better, some for the worse. I would love to hear from you on what do you think were some of the biggest lessons learned from 2020 and COVID and, and what do you think are maybe some of the most fundamental shifts that we will see from sort of the fire service in general or, or the way that we will adopt new technology? So kind of open-ended, but would love to, to know your thoughts there. Yeah, no, well, it you know, certainly was one of those years that well, none of us will forget, but you know, I, as you reflect on it, and I'm, I'm sure many people would say, Kevin, right, that it's not the first time. <laughs> right. There's been something, right. Whether it was the pandemic we faced and still de- are managing through with, with COVID, there's always something, right. And I think the takeaways or the learnings, at least for me, would be in no particular order, just kind of random, right. I will say first is the health and safety of people, right. I mean, we, we all, came to take that to a whole nother level of appreciation. It's, you know, working in industry and quite frankly, our customers do it every day, right? They are very aware of the criticality of health and safety. And I just think that it went to a whole nother level, right? So certainly with our workforce, right, our our employees, we were very keen on making sure throughout that and and beyond, right, that we're looking after their health and safety because honestly, their health and safety is critical to us delivering ultimately great products for our customers and our dealers. So, 
you know, I can't say that enough that that was something we really focused on, not that we never had, but we just took it to a whole nother level. That was first and foremost, the health and safety of our people. That transfers, of course, to our customers and our, our dealers. So we were very careful, very aware of their health and safety and, and working through that. It, all those things, I think you could say are a given, but, you know, let's face it, what uh, this time last year, call it March last year, we weren't probably as sensitized to that as we are now. So that was certainly a, a key takeaway. I would say, uh, you know, in the midst of that, you couldn't lose focus, right? On You know, certainly on what matters in our personal lives with our families and taking care of them and all that. But I think for our, our business, at least, it was an opportunity, you know, to not to hunker down and hide, so to speak, but honestly, to use that valuable time to learn what we could do on the product side and with processes to have what we quite frankly call a no excuses mindset, right? Uh, You know, it was a pandemic. It was maybe a few other things. And and honestly, this year and next is going to be something else, right? And so what it helped us do, I think, is really build a resilient culture that said, look, we're going to always have an obstacle. There's always going to be a challenge, but how do we navigate that, right? And, And stay very agile and flexible, and I like to say peek around corners as best we can to try to anticipate, you know, what what might be next and then have our business processes and everything in line so that we can adapt because there's always going to be something, hopefully not as, I guess you could argue, painful or, or whatnot as the pandemic. I think another thing we learned, Kevin, the significance of really close partnerships with our supply chain partners, or not, I apologize for the redundancy, but a true partnership spirit, right? Um, because they were dealing with the same things and it would be very easy for, you know, a supply chain partner to, to throw their hands up in the air and say, you know, it's just a bad year, right? Anybody could do that. That's the easy way out. But we were very blessed, very fortunate with great supply chain partners who worked with us to ensure that we had the materials we needed in some very stressful times. But beyond just making sure we had the materials we needed, actually collaborated with us to develop new products uh, that we could bring that to market uh, coming out of the pandemic. So I think a lot of great learning and some innovation came out of our enduring that situation. So that was a a lesson learned. I think we, you know, as humans, we're amazing creatures. We're, we can adapt to things at unbelievable speeds when necessary, right? And so, you know, we learned to adapt in how we communicate. We didn't let the pandemic keep us from staying close to our customers, whether it's using the type of technology we're using today, quite frankly, but doing even more to support them because let's face it, with the pandemic, our customers are probably busier than ever. You know, dealing with medical calls and other emergencies, they weren't on vacation, though I'm sure they wanted to maybe hunker down. They, they couldn't do that, right? So I think we were able to take a lot of technologies to make sure that we serviced them and, and kept them in business 
in spite of all that was going on with the chaos from the pandemic and more. I think, you know, I should pause there. I'm probably starting to ramble. No, I appreciate a, a good ramble and that it was all <laughs> on point. And one thing you, you talked about was with is obstacles. And one of my other favorite authors, uh, Ryan Holiday, wrote the book, uh, Obstacle is the Way. And he talks a lot about stoicism and, and references uh, Marcus Aurelius. And in life, we're always going to have some challenge, some obstacle, but it's not necessarily how is that obstacle blocking you from getting to what where you want to go, what you're going to do, but... You, how do you use that as your inspiration or your roadmap on how to get from point A to point B? And Absolutely. COVID is a ma- major obstacle, but also a huge opportunity for all of us to, to pivot in a, in a new way to, to bring value to our customers, our stakeholders, our employees, everyone. So I, I appreciate that context. And another thing, kind of just a, a cliche phrase is never letting a crisis go to waste. So I think that hopefully... I'm hopeful that we'll see a lot of leap forwards as opposed to going back to quote unquote the normals from COVID. And I think, I think we're seeing that, but also you never know what the newsreel might say tonight or tomorrow. So it's always a little bit unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. I, I think to your point, I would, I would concur in this regard that maybe some, you know, and I'm not that smart, right. But maybe some things that, could have taken another 10 years to unfold, whatever those things are. Maybe in a 10-month time frame, they were compressed tremendously. And that's what, to your point, what called a crisis, a disruption will do, right? And what I'm inspired by is the resilience of people, right? You know, a lot of negative, bad things happen. Let's face it, we can't ignore that, but we also can take what the hand we've been dealt and play it, right? And make the best of it. And I, I certainly think not only make the best of it, but sometimes make it even better. And I believe that certainly for the our culture, that's certainly the spirit at which we, we operate and the mindset we have is, look, there's always going to be something. If it's not in a year, it may be the, every hour, every day. And honestly, again, I think about our customers, the fire service, that's what they deal with every shift, right? They don't know when they, if you will, punch in what that day necessarily holds. They've done tremendous training, right? They try to plan and prepare for, to their credit, every possible scenario. And they train not just physically, but mentally, right? And I would say even emotionally for that. And maybe that's actually a lesson for all of us to learn as business people, right? That if we look to our customers and the rigor they put around being ready for Lord only knows what they're going to face, right? That doesn't mean they won't have a surprise or a moment of discovery, but they'll be ready and they'll be able to learn through it, if not from it, to be able to overcome whatever obstacle they're thrown so I, I, you know, quite honestly, maybe we have something to learn from them as well. Well said, Jay. Couldn't agree more. So to give us a kind of wrap us up here and in, in round home base, I wanted to, I love asking this last sort of two-part question and you can answer it either way. And this can pull back to some of the context that you've given us throughout this time so far today. But what is something right now that you're, you're most excited about? And on the flip side, what's something that keeps you up at night and that you're, you're terrified about? Well, let me, I would say what keeps me awake any night 
is the, and I call it healthy paranoia. I think it's, it's good to have a little bit of paranoia every single day is complacency. I don't ever want to get complacent. That keeps me awake and I'll literally wake up <laughs> in the night and think of something. And I don't know about you, but I can't turn it off. And that's, that's an issue I have, I guess, but I have a notepad. Or I'll have to write something down because I want to make sure that if, if I get fortunate enough to fall back to sleep, which usually I don't, I've got to run with that the next, you know, that day when I get up. So what keeps me awake at night is not having a healthy sense of paranoia that you can't get complacent. We've got to stay on our game every single day and stay sharp. So maybe a crazy answer, but that would be what keeps me awake at night is getting complacent. And then your other question might want to hit me one more time. Is that kind of what a you, look what, ahead? Yeah, what are you most excited about? Whether it's uh, you know the outlook of 2021, whether it's some new technology, could be yeah, not fire service well, related. Yeah, and thanks for reminding me. I think that, you know, what <laughs> there are a preponderance of technologies around us, right? And the the rate of change, which to me, some people are afraid of. I, I mean, I, it's exciting. It's it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive any day, but I think we're certainly in a period of time where what is happening with the technologies that are surrounding us, right? And the opportunities to maybe leverage those, right? In a way that can help help all of us, right? Help our customers, of course, from a business perspective, but ultimately since we're all citizens of the world, right? Help people in general. So it's phenomenal. All the different high-tech things that are out there that I think could be just uh, very fun to be a part of as we go forward. But honestly, sometimes they're just, as we talked about all throughout the conversation, there, there's just some low-tech things that can do amazing, dip, make amazing differences in the world that we live in. So uh, there's so many opportunities, and I think it's just the it's incumbent on us, all of us, to seize them before somebody else does and to move forward. I appreciate that context. I mean, sometimes... Duct tape and super glue is a great innovation, but the the low tech solutions at times is is what's most practical and arguably is some of the best innovation that you could bring to help the fire service and help the, the community at large. So I appreciate that that low tech but high tech lens that uh, you brought here today. Yeah, it's a good metaphor, right? I think you know uh, if you think about, and I'm sure you've read it, and some of the things you've read, right? You've got to have a telescope and a microscope, right? It takes both. And so you certainly want to look up, look close, things that are right in front of you. Sometimes you, you can pass those by innocently. So you want to pay attention to what's in the near term, right? But certainly be looking down range at, at opportunities afar. And it's the balance of both. A telescope and a microscope. I actually hadn't heard that. And I think that warrants its own like whole campaign focus I and mean, it's such a good perspective of long-term short-term practical moonshot <laughs> so well said and, and thank you so much jay and you've given such great insight and wisdom today so on, on behalf of all of the smart firefighting community the fire service and everyone i thank you for everything you've done and, and will continue to do to bring value to others no it's uh it's again my pleasure very humbling for you to have me and 
quite frankly, humbling to, to serve our customers. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. You bet. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day, and together we can advance the future of smart firefighting.